Welcome to Industry Insights, the EFM podcast presented by the European Fund Market of the Berlinale. My name is Nadia Denton. I'm a curator and impact producer based in London. Now in its second season, Industry Insights will reflect on one of the most urgent issues of our time, social sustainability in the film and media landscape, with a specific focus on diversity and inclusion. This episode has been created in collaboration with Future Frames, a programme initiated by European Film Promotion and the Carlo Vivari International Film Festival to introduce the generation next of European cinema. Today I will be in conversation with actor and director Jerry Hoffman, a fast-rising talent. Of German and Ghanaian heritage, Jerry was born in Hamburg. Discovered as a teenager, he has had notable acting roles in Shahada, Hitman Agent 47, and the forthcoming Netflix sci-fi series, An Undersea Story. I Am, a short sci-fi thriller, is his thesis film from Hamburg Media School. Jerry will share his personal perspectives on the European film landscape of tomorrow. Jerry, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. In I Am, a lone woman finds a motionless android in the forest, takes it with her, and reactivates it. It's the beginning of a strange relationship. One of the things that I was struck by when I was watching I Am was a presentation of black characters, not as extras, but the main subjects in this German language narrative. It's also notable that these characters weren't racialized. They just existed as they were as any other German natives. Yeah. That's that's a great summary already. I could have just listened to your podcast. <laughs> I was just intrigued <laughs> by what you said. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, this is our was our thesis movie, and uh, we had another script already. The screenwriter, um, the producer, and the DP, and I. And then the worldwide pandemic came, and so we knew we had to do something else because the previous script had a lot of club scenes, a lot of um, people that were elderly that were risky in the pandemic times, and. We had the feeling of it's such a privilege to do art at this special time that we want to make something that we all deeply matter and we all deeply care for. And so, especially for the German speaking, but also the European film industry, we had the idea of having only two black female leads in the near future is something that we haven't seen before. Having these two female leads not talking about their skin color, not having like I, I have a refugee history or my German is not so right or something, just being like the natural natural awareness of, of being that you don't have to like defend why you are in this movie was for us the most um, important to us, yeah, so thank you so much for putting it out and I mean I work in the film industry, in the German film industry, for almost 12 years, and still we have such a lack of diversity, such a lack of, of um, stories that are inclusive in a natural way, and so I felt like this is the most necessary. Yeah. Was this answering any of your questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's answered all of it. Thank you. And you've, you've alluded to this in some of what you said, but um, I wanted to sort of draw it out a bit more you know most of the time when we see people of color appear in German narratives it's in relation to the historic relationship between the global north and the global south so colonialism migration etc um, none of this featured in your work and indeed you chose an unusual genre which was sci-fi fantasy I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about that your choice of genre and uh, the inclusion of these characters against that backdrop yeah sure I mean 
I'm such a sci-fi nerd and I love genre movies and this is another lag in the German film industry I feel that when you talk about science fiction a lot of Germans that I pitched it were like oh no I don't like Star Wars or I don't like battleships being in the universe <laughs> and having this idea that science fiction can be so much more and that you can just have like a very emotional complex um drama set in the near future this can also be science fiction that was one of the other yeah, genre needs that i felt to to portray on the other hand people are much more willing to accept a certain reality if you say it's a future so if i would have two black leads in a german tatort which is like the csi like the very classical way of of um, police people if you only have black people in that german I think would not be ready yet to accept it. They would be like, oh, that's not the reality I'm living in. That's not the German now. I mean, this can't be. There can't be a black female chancellor. We have Angela Merkel. There can't be a black female, and so on. So I felt like setting something in the near future, people would be more willing and more allowing and accepting to have like a new reality of something that is maybe not so common. And then it's up to everyone else to fill the gap between what we are portrayed now in the German cinema was always the black bodies, uh, always the same bodies that are mostly not black, always the same um, physics, always... Uh, we have no disability, we have not a lot of big range of social class, so we always tell the same stories through the same bodies. And I feel like if you see a German story set in the near German forest and also the forest is a very german thing and then you see different bodies i i was hoping that an audience could pick up the difference and be like oh this is something i haven't seen yet and maybe germany could also be that yeah and in terms of your love of science fiction who would you say has been our strong influences whether it be film or literature and in did afrofuturism in any way influence your interpretation of i am for sure, totally. I mean, I, when I came, when I came along the word and term Afrofuturism, I was like, oh my god, that's it. That's what I was looking for, and that's the idea of telling a different story. If we talk about diversity and inclusion nowadays, it made me so sad that we're not thinking about an inclusive future. I mean, there's artificial intelligence nowadays already, and um, most of the androids that we have nowadays are built in Japan or Asia. They are white or silver. And I had the that was the first idea of being like, why can't an android in the future not be black and female? And so Afrofuturism was one of the most um, important terms uh, Janelle Monet makes a lot of great music videos where she brings the terms of, of Afrofuturism. Beyonce also, as, as we put in this dream of how does it look like when an artificial intelligence is dreaming? That was one of the concerns of our movie. And so we brought in this, I always said it's like a Disney Beyonce mix video of her, her having this idea. Of course, we looked at all of the classics, Ex Machina, AI, artificial intelligence, the Morgan project. There are so many great, great pro projects, movies that I loved watch watching. And when you um, start being more conscious about it, you feel like, oh my God, it's always a male, white lead. If you have Blade Runner or 
all the cyberpunk classics, oh my god, it's always the same body and it's always the same gender, it's always the same sexuality, it's always the same state of mind, it's always a hero. So it's like it, it came along of I, I need different influences and I need different people. And of course, one of my biggest and most loving influences is Jordan Peele. Us and Get Out, where I feel like he portrays a new reality for black bodies in the horror genre and he reinterprets the horror genre and that was for me oh, this is like something that we need in Europe because we don't have it yet with our own colonial past we are not there yet and yeah so I, I if <laughs> to answer the question short Jordan Peele was one of my biggest influences and I'm I'm really um, inspired by his work yeah and in developing I am did you have any hesitation about um notions of authenticity in terms of presenting these black bodies who you know who are speaking the German language or even you know working with the genre did you have any sense that um you know um there would be resistance from your colleagues in the industry or even audiences that um you were creating something that just wasn't feasible do you mean like resisting resistance in myself or by the idea of putting it out there both I mean, it was such a precious time to think back. We knew we will have the production start at a certain point. We have the budget. We don't know what we're doing. Mm. We don't know what the story will be. So there was such a rush of we will have to shoot something in two months. I think we had two or three months, but we don't know what. And so we were like grasping around this in a world by global pandemic. There was not a lot of time to think about it. And that made it so prevalent. And I think I really appreciate that we didn't have so much time to think about it. And so it came so much from an urgency of this needs to be done. And this is the story. If there's a worldwide global pandemic and we are not standing in a hospital every day which we where we all we were also questioning is is it the time of doing our, our thesis shouldn't we do something for society is this what we do is is which, which is always the concern what does art bring to a society when you have people worldwide dying so we had the feeling of if we do something it has to matter for us And it has to be important to us. And so, um, no, I didn't have so much doubts because it, I, it came so much from a world of authenticity that I felt like this needs to be told now and I need to tell this story. But of course, there were a lot of resistance from the outside. When we came up with a script or we talked about the idea, the author wrote the script really fast, an amazing script. We send it to TV channels and producers to get the funding. And one of the feedback that was so problematic to me was, it's a really great script. I mean, this is such a good script. But I'm not sure if you will find these women. Do you think you will find these women? Because it's only two people. In Germany, we say Kammerspiel. I don't know the English word. It's like only, it's only about their relationship. And I took this feedback and it just took some time to see the racism lying underneath, declining that you would have talented black female actresses in Germany that could portray a 30-minute student film. And so, yeah, the casting agent and I, Lisa Stutzky, and the whole production team were so eager and and 
as it's always is with the arts, if you have backlash, you have to fight against or it makes it more, even more. It was like, I was really touched by this. I was like, this, 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 can't, this can't be the reality. And so we put out a social media feed. We had 160 um, e-castings, submissions from the most amazing, diverse black female artist that me not, I mean, I'm working in the industry for 12 years. I didn't know many of them. So many of them I have never heard of. They were from Austria, Switzerland and Germany. And I felt like I was I was really crying in front of the in front of my laptop because I felt like, oh my God, you didn't get a lead and you didn't get a lead. I didn't see you in any movie. Why is you? So I had the feeling like, oh my God. And and um, we asked everyone to have like a a little statement of like two or three minutes. It's called about me being like, why do you want to have this role or who are you? Tell us something about it. And most of them were so emotional and being like, I need to play this character because it's a complex character. And this made me so, this hurt me a lot because I felt like it's a student film. You know, it's, it's grown up women. Some of them have children. They don't get paid for 14 days in a student production, in a global pandemic, and they are really asking for playing this character because for the last 20 years they didn't get the chance to play a complex character that has no refugee history or is sexualized or is a stripper or something. So I felt like, yeah, the more we, the more information we gained and the more we came into the process, we felt like, oh my God, it's, it, it is so necessary to do this now and it is such a lack that we are filling. Um, yeah, but I, I know I was the most nervous when we were putting out the trailer. That was the, that was the day where I was like, I, I was like, it's the social media thing. Oh my God, I put it out now. People will see it. People will judge it. What will they say? And I had, I was so afraid that people would not accept it or, or be, especially nowadays where people can be so crucial online. I feel like we have like such a lack of um empathy when we talk digital digitally about online about work and so when we put out the trailer there came so much love especially from from germans and be like oh my god i want to see this what is this where can we see this movie it's amazing and so i yeah i was very nervous before but the the overall energy that we got was very accepting and very loving and so yeah It sounds like it really profoundly affected you on an emotional level, um, particularly in terms of how it challenged. Yeah, I think art has to. Yeah, and, and it's really just challenged this um, notion that there aren't, you know, Afro-German-speaking, you know, um, Europeans, basically. Yeah, I mean, the reality is there are. Mm. And the reality is they are talented and willing and they we live in a society that has a structural problem of not letting certain bodies and certain people in not accepting them at acting school or at film school not financing certain stories certain perspectives because in the german speaking film industry we have the idea of something that worked 50 years ago will work now we need to repeat the same story because this will work where i feel like especially in the American industry, it's the opposite. It's like something that we had already. We don't want it. Mm -hmm. Let's let's have something new. And so this is, I think, the the differences. And yeah, I, of course, this is. I mean, I'm 
I'm I'm black, I'm German, I'm a filmmaker, of course I'm emotional about these topics. And I think it's important to also be in tune with your emotions, which I feel is authenticity, to Completely. not reject and yeah, be like, I need to... Um, I feel like a lot of POC, especially in the capitalism and in the generation that I come from, and also me, had this idea of if we just play along, it will all work out. It's, it's Some people might not make it, but I will make it. If I just play along in this system, if I'm very good, if I'm the best student, if I have only A-levels, if I'm at this school and stuff. And it takes a lot of time also for me to discover that we have a structural problem. And it's not a singular problem. It's a societal problem coming from hundreds of years. And we only can change the system together. And um, yeah. So touching on that, would you say in your presentation of I Am that uh, arguments about diversity are more about humanizing people that have been stripped of this as opposed to discussions about race? So in other words, would you say that showing is in fact more powerful than the discussion? So thinking about, you know, some of those uh, audiences that saw the trailer and their immediate gut instinct, you know, clearly you didn't put anything out about race. You weren't putting out any sort of doctrines or mantras about, you know, discrimination or diversity. You simply showed it. Do you think that this is more effective? Mm, that's a very complex question, but I feel... Um, I I can't put it against each other because the discussion and the showing it will never live on a separate place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need to talk about it and we need to show it and we need to progress both. And if you show something, then starts a discussion and maybe the discussion leads to a new new um, showing. Yeah, I, I forgot something. That you, you In the beginning of your question, you said something that was so... So good. So I had mentioned the fact that um, would you say uh, diversity is more about humanizing people and bodies? Yes. So, you know, the show rather than at times the discussions. Because I think, yes. you know, particularly when we consider what's happened over the last year with, you know, the killing of George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, various things, there's been lots of very charged conversations about race. And I think on both sides of the argument, a lot of people feel very tired and you know, um, they don't necessarily want to talk about race. They just want to exist or, you know, they feel like, can't we just be? And so I think one of the things that I really took away when I watched I Am is that there's no racialization. But I got the point of what you were saying merely in the visuals and how you presented. Yeah, I mean, there's these two realities that after the film, I got asked a lot, the question, is it important that they are black? I mean, it's just a relationship drama. It doesn't matter what skin color they have. And I felt like, of course it matters, because you're asking this question. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't ask the question if it matters if these women were white. <laughs> if you have two white women in a forest, no one would ask, is it important that they're white? But if you have two black women, you are like, is it important that they're black? And... Um, Still, and that's the reality, it's so important that it's not about being black. It's just, it's just human beings having a relationship in the near future. And that's the normality. And when you talk about humanizing, I feel like this is 
where we are going to because so many people asked me for a long time but but what what do we do now i mean uh, how, if i want to cast a black person in a movie when is it okay <laughs> when is it not okay which characters can he or she play he is a cleaner is it racist to give this cleaning a lady a black heritage and so on so i feel like especially in the european film industry we try to so many people especially the people that were not confronted with reflecting their own skin color for their whole lifetime especially these people are trying to make sense of all the changes and i have a lot of empathy about this about that it's a lot but there are no rules we cannot say this is okay or this is okay you can each time with every artwork with a movie you have to ask yourself is it authentic what i'm telling do i know the person and the character i'm telling of and i grew up with black women for me i had no problem of telling this story because i felt like it's my story and i can tell it from an authentic authentic standpoint but i think the problem begins if you're telling the story of someone else if you're telling the story of a refugee when you never had the history of a refugee you have to ask yourself do you have an emotional connection or and can you talk from a place of authenticity and if you don't maybe you should talk about you not having the audacity to tell your own story um because this is where we at at the moment so you talking about humanizing yes i think this is where we at and this is important that we humanize people and the cliche and the stereotype is always the difference putting someone just in a box of being a certain thing because their skin color or their gender or whatever so humanizing is a great word yeah and on that point of reflection i'm interested in the fact that the transhuman character has blue eyes yeah i felt that these look quite striking against dark skin and seeing her maybe reflect on Toni Morrison's book, The Bluest Eye, where a young black girl growing up in the American South prays to have blue eyes. Um, blue eyes have really, you know, in our Western modern society, uh, come to be associated with privilege, and in particular white privilege. I wonder what your thoughts were about that and if what the intentionality was around uh, the um, android character having these um, distinct um, eyes. So interesting, and what a great... Um perception i i didn't read the book there was not the intention but maybe subconsciously <laughs> i put in these these ideas for me also in my other shorts but talking to the author the eyes and the human human eyes are so so interesting as a, like an organ as the way of of letting images in especially for a movie audience you mostly track where the eye is going on a on a screen um the social interaction that we have nowadays with a mask or something there's so much interaction only coming through the eye like um looking at someone and trying to empathize with their emotion always needs the eye you need to look into someone's eyes so someone's eyes so this this is This is so interesting to me, furthermore. Where is someone looking at, especially if, with these two women with attention raises, who is looking at what, when? And yeah, 
um, I feel like this is also coming from a scientific and research background. The eyes, like the brain, are the most are the most complex organs to reproduce when we talk about artificial intelligence. So having an android, having realistic eyes, and as we see in the movie, it's like also um, it's also it's like a camera. She can screen. She can look. Uh, she has like the possibility to look through walls. She can listen to something and it reflects in the eyes. So it was more like coming from that. But and also it was like a it was the cheapest uh, uh, cheapest trick from the director to <laughs> make people immerse. Um, when we had the script, especially when you do a science fiction film in a as a student project, so many people were like, oh. I mean, I don't know if you can pull this up. <laughs> I mean, it's like an Android. How are you going to do this? I mean, your budget is very limited. You are not J.J. Abrams. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so for me, it was like... Um, um, making everyone believe that this is a this is a real Android, the, the biggest help were the eyes. Um, and these little things that were super expensive, like the open in the back and and all of these little. We actually had a doll that we were delivered in the same um, size than the actress that was delivered by, from China. So it was like these little things of making someone believe it's a puppet or is it a real person. And yeah, the eyes were were um, were part of that. So yeah. Well, they certainly say that the eyes are the uh, keys to the soul. Yeah, and I think you've kind of expressed that quite aptly in terms of. I mean, at the end, it was also the 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 key to the dream of the android. We had this eye shot when you see the two women dancing, and then you pull out of it. It was like kind of as if the whole the whole personality and every everything she's dreaming of, you can see in her eye. I thought this this. Um, This was an interesting concept to have like the eye perceiving something, but it's also kind of a screen. If you really look into the eye of an android, you see what she's feeling or dreaming of. I like, I like this, yeah. So w would you say then that um, human connection was kind of one of the most important messages you were trying to put, put out? Because, you know, throughout the film, we see the younger protagonist um, continually seeking connection with her um, older caregiver. And you've, you know, spoken quite eloquently about um, the way in which, uh, you know, interaction, you know, between the characters and also, um, you know, your own reflections on, you know, how the eyes and how, you know, that's one of the sort of key ways that we communicate with one another as human beings. Yeah, um, to answer the question, quite frankly, no. <laughs> I think human connection was not the center of the story. The center of the story was worth and the other. And I always come from the standpoint or what I'm interested in as a filmmaker is how can we bring empathy to something that is the other. And for mm. me, especially an android or an artificial intelligence, most people would argue this is not a human being and it's a toaster, it's a machine, mm. so it can't have worth. And um, having a short and maybe bringing an audience to the point where they're like, it's a puppet, it's artificial, but I feel for her. I see her as a her. I have sympathy for this being that is like, why can't I have self-worth? That for me was the center 
of the story. So it's not about human connection, although I hope this is what people take from it, but it's about connection overall, connecting to everything that is alive. When we talk about robot laws or the ethics about robotics, we are close to the point where AI have emotions and we should question ourselves what is our responsibility of, of nurturing the relationship between something that we create. When we talk about veganism and vegetarianism, we come to the point where we're like, oh my God, it's an animal and it has emotions. And maybe we should not slaughter millions of cows in this world because they do have emotions. Um, maybe trees might be much more complex than we think. And maybe it's, it's time that we value every being. And I felt like uh, having a machine and bringing an audience to the point where they hopefully root for her and be like, oh my God, I want her to survive, um, was the biggest leap of, in terms of empathy. So yeah, it's about self-worth, I would say. But of course, the reality was that we created a short in a global pandemic. So what we were missing the most is connection, touches, hugging, physical contact. Shooting this short also in the reality of the production um, day, we had so much changes in terms of what we are allowed and what not, because we were not a real production, but we were also not real students. So in the rules of hygiene concepts and and how can we protect ourselves and all of this, um, it was constant changes and we had this absurd rules of the actresses are allowed to touch each other for 15 minutes if they have been tested two days before. Then our puppet was not coming, so we thought we are so smart that we bring in a puppet so the actress can touch the puppet. Then the puppet was coming one week later, and so we were like, oh, my. but so within this everyday struggle of shooting this movie, one prevalent theme was contact, connection, physical, physical, everything that you and all of us, I feel, are still, till this day, missing. Um, the naturality of not being afraid of a different body, just being in a restaurant and being like, oh my God, do you need the salt? Yeah, sure, how are you? Uh, hugging someone, being out in the club and kissing a stranger. Um, all of this is so, so far away at the moment. And especially when we were shooting this movie, I felt like, There's, I always call it movie magic, but there's topics that we we didn't see as prevalent when we were writing the script. But in the everyday life of the shooting, you have to acknowledge that this is part of the story. When do we connect and can we touch each other or not? So we are kind of afraid of the other. And yeah, that was that that was the part about. Um, human connection but still it's an android so <laughs> it's it's a human being and an android so i don't think the movie is about human connection it's about connecting to the other and seeing her as your own and how has your own upbringing and background um come to bear on this film and in particular you know you talk about this theme of worth Whew, this is a <laughs> Ooh, my my whole background in that i mean um, growing up in Hamburg, Germany, as 
a black child, I needed to uncover and learn that I don't have any European representation. I didn't grow up with with someone that looked like me in the German TV. Um, all of my idols, like Lauren Hill, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America, Will Smith, um, yeah, the Supremes, like all of the music that I heard, everything where I felt like it's touching me, all the black people and, and idols that I had were not European. And so when you grow up, when you grow up in the German, um, yeah, when coming to the German film industry, it was the first time where I felt like, oh my God, I, my skin color matters and I get only offered certain roles and most of them are pretty problematic and stereotypical. Um, yeah, so of course everything um, I experienced is part of my need to tell a different story from a different perspective. Um, what kind of Afro-German narratives would you like to see in the years to come? What do you think is particularly unique about the Afro-Germanic experience that, you know, the rest of the world needs to know? I mean, I think if we think about, you know, Black Europeans, the experience of Black Britons is probably very well documented and people know about this internationally through our music and our sports people, etc. But when it comes to, you know, mainland Europe, we hear less and less about those experiences. Is there anything in particular that you think is fundamental, unique to, you know, the experience of, um, you know, German-speaking people of African descent? I feel like I'm not the person to judge what is unique or, like, special. I think my job as a filmmaker or as a storyteller is to tell the most authentic story. And I feel like as I didn't grow up in Britain, I didn't grow up in Africa, I didn't grow up in America, when, <laughs> short short note, I, I studied in Los Angeles. I always had the dream to go to the US to study film directing. Um, when I got the Fulbright, I went to the US and I was like, oh my God, I will find my black community and I will, I, will, I will find something that I don't. And the reality was I experienced how German I am. That was the biggest revelation in Los Angeles, that I need punctuality and I need st structure and I have a certain amount of culture of um, food or how to say hello or whatever. So um, I figured out how German I am and not how Afro-American I am. And so I feel like if I tell my authentic story and if I tell my reality, everyone in the world can see the difference to, to their reality and then they can decide of being like oh my god how the afro-germans are interacting with each other is so different to us but still there's something in in the experience of being black in the world that maybe is similar and there's some topics that really unite and so i think it's not my um yeah i shouldn't judge i should just tell the most authentic story and what i feel is what i need what I feel should be the Afro-German narrative is, is the sad thing is there's so much, there's so much missing. Um, we should look into the past and into the future. With I Am, I looked into the near future in a sci-fi short of a reality that does not exist yet. And still there's so much colonial background. There's so much black Germans that we have never heard of. And even I am just learning about this. There's so much history that we don't talk about. 
there's people that fought for this country, that died in this country, that had to leave the country, that entered the country. And it's all of these stories that we're not telling, that I don't see on TV, that I don't see in the cinema, because we still have the idea of if you're German, you're white, you have blue eyes, you are tall, blonde, and you have a certain amount of upbringing. And Germany nowadays is so much more. We are so much more diverse in all of their realities. And... Um, the other thing is the future, which I already explained that I feel like if you tell a certain different future, it always helps for people to see where they're at. And that's the science fiction doesn't work in this bubble of sci-fi. You always connect to the now. And if you say something about the future, it's always looking back on the now or being like, wow, why is this not our reality? And if you say this is normal, then people have the chance to be like, oh, that's not normal now. Maybe we should. So I feel like um, there's so much stories, so also so much stories about the now, the 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 right now German reality um, of Afro-German stories that we're just starting, we're just starting to take a grasp and I'm so privileged and thankful and grateful that I'm living in this time where I feel it's possible and, and um, yeah, these stories are possible, yeah. <laughs> I get so emotional when you ask me that, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just like, ah. yeah. But no, it was a great sorry. response. <laughs> it's great to, you know, when you're talking with someone and they're speaking from the heart. Yeah. I try that. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say that in I Am, you've created something that doesn't currently exist. What are your hopes for the future of the German industry and the wider European film industry? So you've kind of touched on some of this, but I'm kind of curious about any reflections you've had on the industry, particularly in light of, you know, the pandemic and, you know, how we're um, all, you know, working to live in a brave new world, really. I mean... I feel especially when we talk about film industries, more than ever, they're interconnected in a global industry, especially with streamers, with um, Netflix, Amazon, however, with the global market of, of showing movies, you cannot only talk about a national identity anymore because we, we interact with each other, which is complicated, but great. The Black Lives Matter movement that was so prevalent in Europe has has have had its root in the American identity and still we are all connected. When we talk about Me Too, the new LGBTQII um, transition to a more gender fluid identity, the lack of equal pay from women and men, the gender gap overall, these are all topics that Talking about it, it's. <laughs> I know it's overwhelming for a lot of people, and it's at the moment we are um, right in front of a, um, having a new chancellor soon, and everyone's still talking about um, gender pronouns and how can we have a more inclusive language. Whereas it's not about the language; it's about the humanity that we bring to each and everyone in a society. And now we live in a world where I feel like more than ever, it's important that each and everyone gets seen. And still, even though we as Europeans feel like we are very superior, um, sometimes I have the idea, I, I feeling that Europeans think so, we have so many problems that are not so different to other parts of the world. And 
yeah, when we talk about transsexual boys and girls that don't find representation in the media, um, people or children kill it themselves. Um, especially in the pandemic, which we know research showed <laughs> there's so many children that have the feeling they are not worth it anymore when talking about um, the demands of that social media puts on it and that these children grow up in a society that were I mean it's a pandemic it's 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 hard for everyone but imagining you're 14 and you cannot connect to to your peers I think that's um, heartfelt so I feel it's I can talk about my story and the more authentic I talk about my story, I think it becomes universal because it's not about black and white. Of course, it's about giving everyone and each and everyone a voice and sharing this idea of... It's, it's not about skin color. It's about so much more. It's about breaking the glass ceiling of unifying our society into each and everyone gets value. And yeah, when you when you ask me, I think and that's this a perfect is note at. for my last question, which is: please complete the sentence. I am. That's such a good question, <laughs> especially uh, as my film title is "I Am." I am blessed to experience life through the canvas of a human body. Yeah. I'm blessed. I mean, being alive is just a blessing. And yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. And each of us, every one of us are. So we should all be grateful to, to be alive. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's been a real pleasure to uh, talk with you and share insights. And I'm delighted with, um, you know, all that you have been able to achieve so far and very much in anticipation of what's to come from you as a rising star and talent. Thank you so much. And also for this um, making this first podcast experience so so amazingly um, great and for all the great questions thank you so much thank you my pleasure sadly this brings us to the end of the podcast in all that Jerry has said perhaps we are seeing elements of German language films to come which will challenge perception and excite even wider international audiences I hope you will tune into the next episodes of Industry Insights Find us wherever you get your podcasts and on the website of the European Film Market, www.efm-badanale.de. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.